Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 228 of the Speaking Club podcast. I want to open today's show with a quote from the Greek Stoic philosopher Epictetus, who has some brilliant teachings to live life by. Here's what he has to say about anxiety. Man is not worried by real problems so much as by his imagined anxieties about real problems. I started this podcast for two reasons, because I want to help people recognize the power of stories and humor in speaking, and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organizations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hello, thanks for joining me again on The Speaking Club and uh, it's lovely to be back with you. I've been uh, busy preparing for my masterclass which is coming up next week and um, also booking in a tour for my play Crunch which, as you probably heard me talk about uh, before, went to Brighton Fringe and is going to be off off West End in London and uh, a few other places in the autumn and spring next year. So um, if you're in the UK, I'll keep you posted on that in case you want to check it out. But anyway, enough of that. Today, we're talking about anxiety. Now, everyone... I believe, to some degree, has anxiety around speaking. And it can affect us all in different ways. Maybe it affects your ability to relax, to try new things and show your personality when you speak. Or maybe anxiety is paralyzing you, stopping you from speaking at all and keeping you stuck and small. But that's why in this episode, I've gathered together insights from experts with different perspectives on managing anxiety and fear and thrown my own two penneth into the mix for you to consider. What Mark, Claire, Tim, Colette and I share will hopefully give you some new ways to look at anxiety and tips for managing it so that you can begin to fully step into your speaking power. If you want to start speaking or feel more at ease on stage so that you can be fully self-expressed, sharing your passion, purpose and personality with more impact, then listen up. First up is Mark Visser. Mark is an Australian big wave surfer, an author, keynote speaker and ocean adventurer. How cool is that title? And he had a dream so big and so dangerous that many people told him it wasn't possible to achieve. But he continued anyway, and he trained and learned and practiced until he completed the challenge he'd set himself and, alongside that, conquered his biggest fear. And today, Mark coaches many world champion athletes, professional sporting teams, business and elite military groups all around the world. And in this episode, he also has some golden nuggets to share with you. Okay, over to Mark. 
I wanted to ask ask you about the, the sequence in which our bodies shut down because of fear. And I guess that is that part of your method. And and how does that work? How, how what is that sort of sequence of events? Yeah, so it's more like our mind body connection. So the mm-hmm. things that I'm talking about now, um, I learned that when I always think about things, uh, it's a much slower process than when I can feel what is right. So we all know, and every single one of us has this ability when someone says something and it doesn't feel right and there's a part of us you know within our stomach or wherever it might be that we just go I don't know why but that just doesn't feel like the right thing to do even if we have no evidence based on it yet then we try and think about it and rationalize it to to make it right or wrong so the quick answer to things is you can actually feel what's going on much faster um, and that, that was sort of the process of, of what I was learning to do and how to understand that. And the mind-body connection is based on thoughts. So I might have a thought which creates a feeling which gives me an emotion which totally affects how my body functions. So that thought might be fear. So like let's say I'm paddling over a wave and I look up and I see a 60-foot wave coming and I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to kill me. The wave is still 15, 20 seconds away, yet the thought that I've had is I'm going to die, I'm in serious trouble, how could I survive? So that emotion is now of extreme extremity of like, you know, dire straits. So then my physical body starts acting that out. So that mind-body connection was there was a thought, now this is I'm feeling it because it's so intense and now I'm actually living it. So how I'd be living it would be my breath starts getting really, really shallow. My heart rate heart rate increases dramatically. Um, you know, certain um, muscles in my body lock up and tense up. So for me as a surfer that needs to be extremely calm underwater, I've now taken that away from myself. I've now increased my heart rate, which is not ideal. I'd want to do the opposite. You know, I've now engaged all my muscles to send blood flow through areas which I'd want to try and relax and keep calm and minimise the oxygen burn. So there's all these things that are happening to me in that moment and it's all based on a thought that wave still hasn't hit me killed me yet nothing's actually happened so when you learn that there's these moments in time you can actually stay in control so someone might say well I'd still be totally crapping myself if a 60 foot wave is about to land on me but the question is well what can you do about it right now and if I said well what could you do about it if you, you can panic that's one choice or you could do this you could stay calm, you could do this, you could face this way and if you face this way you could probably get pushed in the channel and you're going to be safe. And so you've got, you've got, you've got options and then you know, and like I'm going to say to you, what are you going to do? What, which, what, which one suits you? Do you want to die or do you want to face the channel? So you're like, okay, well, it feels better to do the other one. So straight away that was a feeling, right? So you're responding yeah. to the feeling. So, so that's what in really crazy high, t- like high intense moments, if you can learn to shift that and, and control the now, that moment in that moment, that's how you can control situations that seem uncontrollable. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, I often talk with, with when I coach speakers, I talk about imagined fear because it's not right. happened like all our fears like yeah. it's either the, the past or the future in the moment yeah. in the present that like there's nothing and there's this imagined fear and it's really interesting because I was thinking about this when I was preparing to speak to you that we have you know given that our thoughts do tend to drive these feelings and emotions I was wondering how useful the word survival instincts were because it's kind of a mis- misnomer really because mm. we bring all of that stuff on ourselves like that yeah. shutting down stuff like you just said through our yeah. minds not not 
sort of any instinctive I mean I guess you breathe that's like breathing is but then if it's affecting your breathing that's still a problem that's right yeah and if you're breathing really shallow that's that's the worst type of breathing what I find with a lot of people and speaking is that fear stops them even starting to speak you know you're talking about a wave sort of coming at you but people don't even you know begin because of that imagined fear for the future or whatever have you ever shied away from a challenge um at all it doesn't sound like it but if have you got some tips around managing that future-based fear that you could share with yeah absolutely yeah absolutely i think i personally um as a speaker i remember the very first time i was a keynote speaker i literally nearly blacked out when i looked up and everyone was looking at me it was so overwhelming and i was like you know like i literally forgot to breathe and um and i remember just thinking how how funny it was but um in those moments, like what I love to do and what helps me understand it is I look at it for what it is. So I will say to myself, okay, you know, I'm a speaker next week, you know, and I'm at this event and there's a thousand people at the event. What am I afraid of? And then straight away, well, it's the fear of failure, right? So it's the fear of what if I suck? What if I, what if I, what I say isn't good enough and I can't deliver it properly and people don't think I'm cool. So then you look at it. Okay. So who are those people? Like, I just always like to break things down and look at it for what it is. And then I'm like, okay, well, why would I want to speak in the first place? You know? So then, then I go back to the purpose of what that actually is. So everyone that's wanting to speak is like, well, you know what? I've got a great message and I want to share that. You know, I want to help people. Oh, awesome. Well, that's way better than yourself and feeling like you're, <laughs> you're unworthy and everyone thinking you suck. So so you come from that place, right? When you're coming from the right place, it changes how you feel. So that, that's a quick a quick way to, to sort of snap back into it. There's a lot more detail in that. Um so to change something like that, you need to change the physiology of your body, the setup that you have. So when you're fearing something, you actually then have the thought which changes, you know, the feeling that you have, which affects your physical setup. So that I, I go back to that. So I almost reverse engineer what's happening. So if I was afraid and you took a photo of me when I was afraid, I could almost guarantee what my posture looked like. I could guarantee what I was breathing like and I could guarantee um, you know, what my heart rate was like and it would be, I'd be hunched over, my muscles would be tense. I'd be breathing shallow and I, you know, I'd be feeling in that kind of really down and fearful state. So I'd be asking myself, well, what do I feel like when I feel great? What do I feel like if I knew I was helping everyone in that audience and that message that we said, you know, that person might have, and then you'd feel enlightened, you'd feel lifted, right? So then you go, how do you think you'd be breathing? So it's the same thing. I'd be going into that and I'd be, okay, let's, can I control that right now? Yes, I can. Can, and I go, you know, and this is something I always say, you know, can I, can I control if my speech is going to suck? Well, I still can't control that. (laughs) So I can't be afraid of that. But in this moment right now, I can control what my body posture looks like. I can stand up and I can focus on just breathing in a calm way to just help myself feel calm. So I keep going back to those moments and that's really the start point or the starting point for that. I teach a lot of people um, all sorts of different breath techniques and that's sort of my background because um, I go through the physical side of it to bring back, to change the emotion. So just like when we have a thought, we feel a certain way and it affects our body, I, I also go to the part where I'll change it your body that changes the thoughts that you have, which changes how you feel. So like you can do it either way. Um, so that's, that's probably a really important tip is just be aware of what's going on with yourself physically and, uh, and, you know, do some homework on how to allow yourself to feel calm. 
If you want to listen to the full interview with uh, Mark Visser, there is a link uh, to that one and all of the others in the show notes. But this particular episode was episode 141. Okay, next up is Tim Box. Tim is a remedial hypnotist and mind coach, and he specializes in helping clients get control of their anxiety response. In 2019, he gave a TEDx talk entitled How to Stop Feeling Anxious About Anxiety, which has had well over uh, three quarters of a million views and probably more now. He is also the creator of The Control System, which is a method of mind coaching that helps people overcome the psychological barriers that limit their personal growth. And I know you're going to get a lot from this excerpt. Over to Tim. I'll often hear people say, I want to get rid of anxiety completely. I want to be free of anxiety because I think they've mistaken those people that don't have an anxiety disorder or don't have high anxiety or panic disorder. They've mistaken them for people that just don't experience anxiety. And that's not true. We all experience anxiety probably on a daily basis because it's one of our emotional responses in the same way that, you know, fear away from danger, anger, right, the wrong anxiety is focus on the important thing that needs to be taken care of now for whatever reason. And, you know, we all experience it from day to day. It's why, I mean, I use the example in the talk. It's why we turn up to the talk to see that it reminds us, oh, yeah, I've got somewhere to be today rather than just sit here doing nothing. There's, you know, the only people that don't feel anxiety, dead people and psychopaths. That's the two groups of people. Yeah. And don't aim to be part of either of those two groups because that won't that won't lead you to a good place. You know, um, so I think that it, it's quite it can be quite a simple process at times to reduce the level of our anxiety. And, you know, we do that in various ways in terms of recognizing that we're not as under threat as we felt we were at some point, you know, but then there's that danger that one day we're going to wake up feeling a bit more anxious than we did yesterday. And we might make that mistake of saying, oh, anxiety is coming back. My illness is returning. Because if anxiety is an indicator of illness, then whenever something important approaches, and we feel naturally, as we should, more anxious about the important thing today, then if we perceive that to mean I'm struggling again, then we then might start to feel anxious about how anxious we're starting to feel. And that's when it becomes that feedback loop. I'll often see people and I'll say, what is it that makes you cause you to feel anxious? And they're like, I don't know. I just feel anxious out of nowhere. I don't have a reason for feeling anxious anymore. What that generally means is the thing we're most anxious about is how anxious we're going to feel today and whether it's going to stop at any time. Yeah, when, when our actual feelings of anxiety are the thing we're most scared of, then we create a feedback loop and we just amplify it, you know, ad infinitum. And, you know, so, um, so yeah, recognizing that it's okay to feel anxious about the important stuff. Yeah, that's cool. You could argue, in fact, that if I have a big concern about my levels of anxiety, what I'm actually doing is a completely healthy response to something I'm very concerned about, which is to feel anxious about it. Yeah, your, your, your mind and your body are working perfectly well. They've just got confused about what anxiety actually means. And as a result, have put too much importance on that feeling. And as a result, have amplified it. You know? Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I was talking to someone the other day who suffers from uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. And, and, and it, it seems to be very linked to stress. 
but she yes. she was we were talking about your talk and, and she was saying you know this I do get worried about being worried because being worried leads me to you leads know to aggravates my condition so wow. so exactly that spiral that you're talking about that whole yeah. you know going down that sort of rabbit hole of, of, of that so yeah, this yeah. that's really interesting and within your TED talk you made a distinction between suffering from anxiety and managing anxiety is can you yeah. share a bit more about that well, what I, I actually the distinction I made was that I still experience anxiety, but I no longer suffer with anxiety. Yeah, and that's that's an important distinction because yeah, I, I feel anxious about things that are important to me because it would be weird if I didn't. Yeah. So for example, there's going to be a fair degree, a, a small amount of anxiety about this conversation because I'm talking on a podcast. It's other people are going to hear what I'm saying. I want to get my message right. Yeah. So there's going to be as I as I go on the call. You know, I could expect my heart rate to increase a little bit as, as my, my, my system starts to recognize, right, wake up, Tim, you need to be alert, because if you're just sleepy, and you're not having a, a good day, then you're not gonna, you're gonna kind of convey your message as articulately as if you're wide awake. So that would be natural for me as I'm logging on to feel a little bit of increased heart rate and a bit of nerves. Yeah. So that's appropriate. But what I don't get now is the response of Oh, no, here comes my anxiety. Wouldn't you know it at this time exactly? Just when I need to be calm and clear-minded, here I am getting all anxious again. Yeah. So I, I don't do that anymore. You know, the funny thing, I used to run, <laughs> I used to run anxiety workshops, which you very quickly work out is not a great idea because most people don't turn up to them <laughs> because they're feeling too anxious to, to engage. Yeah. And I get that because I was there as well. You know, that would have been me cancelling out at the last minute um but I'll, i would get texts from people saying sorry tim i'm not going to make it in today wouldn't you know it my anxiety has flared up this morning as if it was just this blind sods law coincidence yeah so you're going to a place that you've never been before to meet someone you've never met before and a load of other people you've never met before to talk about the thing that concerns you the most in your life which is your levels of anxiety I think it would be absolutely astonishingly strange if you didn't feel extremely anxious as you were going to this place. Yeah. Um, that's that, that would be a healthy response as far as I can tell, because of course you're going to put a certain amount of importance on this and you're going to feel a certain amount of anxiety surrounding it. So when I say, and this is the thing, I don't manage my anxiety. I, I experience anxiety. I feel anxious at times. Yeah. That's okay. You know, I don't, I don't manage my happiness. Or, you know, things like that. I don't, I don't refer to my happiness as something I have. I don't refer to anger as something I have. Yeah, so I don't refer to anxiety as something I have. I either feeling anxious right now or I'm not. Yeah, and I know if I'm feeling anxious about something right now, it's for a reason, and I know that it will pass. So I don't need to pay any attention to what my physicality is actually doing about this emotion that I'm feeling. If you were dealing with someone who wanted to speak but was overwhelmed with anxiety about speaking you would almost treat them the same way as everyone else in a sense and yeah, what absolutely. advice would you give them um the the thing you got to work out is what's the thing you currently believe and, and it's not easy to work out right because we assume it we've held it for so long as a belief that we've stopped questioning it yeah we know we shouldn't feel this way there's a bit of a saying i think i should be able to stand up and talk about this thing that i'm the expert in without fearing judgment from these people that know less than me. 
yeah, we feel we should be able to do that. But there's a bit of us that's thinking, oh, hang on, I, I'm nervous about, I think I shouldn't be doing that. Why are you thinking that? Yeah, so I know what it was for me when I was going into groups because I'd experienced somebody showing me negative attention and drawing everyone's attention to me in a negative way. And there was a bit of me saying, that will happen again. Yeah, it's almost like your mind comes up with the broadest of strategies to protect you from that. Rather than saying, well, that particular situation, that was concerning this subject with that person that you'll never meet again, but you know, they, they obviously had a, a problem with that. It doesn't do that. It says, right, you talk to people in a group environment, one of them might point at you and laugh, and then everyone else might start laughing. So just don't go into that group environment. Just decide not to go there. That's a, that's a catch-all. We're sorted. No more negative experiences. Yeah, um, But of course, then it also prohibits you from having the positive experiences that come with interaction and, and groups and all that sort of thing. So the thing we've got to work out is what have you learned that if you were allowed your captain to take a look at that thing, they would be able to say, no, that's not actually true. Yeah. And, and when we work on that, when we work out what the, the insight is that we need to remove that barrier, then you'll be surprised how quickly the barriers fall away when we can kind of connect with that truth on a core level on a crew level, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, so a lot of what the work I do, a lot of it is about, okay, let's, let's, what's the truth you need to find here? What's, what's the thing you need to know? So for example, the thing I need to know, it no longer matters whether people like me or not. And actually being able to distinguish between those that like the sort of person I am and those that don't, that's important. That's going to be a value to me. It's going to make life a lot simpler and it's going to make my journey forward a lot easier because the people that are around me, they've been attracted to the person that I naturally am. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't know if this will resonate with, with anyone listening, but my first marriage, it was the wrong marriage because I had to pretend to be somebody I wasn't to appeal to that person. You know, when you're younger and you're trying to be cool and you're like trying to, and you're trying to portray a different version of yourself than you actually are. And that's exhausting. It's difficult to put a mask on every minute of every day for the rest of your life. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. It's not like I was sitting there thinking, I am deceiving this woman. She doesn't really know who I am, you know. But you suddenly realize, oh, hang on. The things about me that you like, I don't think they're the things I naturally move towards. They're not my natural characteristics. You know, the person I am, you know, I am a nerd. I am, I am a bit of a geek. I do, I do like things that, that are, you know, probably not that interesting to other people, you know. And I need to be okay with being me. Otherwise, I can't sustain us feeling positive about each other you know what i mean so it's like you know i maintain that my wife brit is the right person for me now because we found each other when we weren't looking for each other so we we just we didn't i wasn't trying to impress anyone i wasn't out on the pool you know i was just being me she was just being her and we were like huh being with you makes life even better than not being with you you know <laughs> and that sort of thing and and it's sort of we just sort of there was a very it was a freedom to find the right person, you know, and we just naturally gravitate towards each other. So I, but I think, yeah, like I've drifted off on tangent there, haven't I? Um, but, no, you know no, I mean? no, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. So it's, it's effectively it's something stopping you from being your true self. There's something yeah. getting away, those clouds, and, and it's yeah. pinpointing what it, you know, if you want this and there's something yeah. in the way, it's being able to do the work to find that thing, which is effectively what you're saying. Yeah. Cool. It's, you know, it's that thing of, you know, are, are we making this decision because we fear the consequences or because it's what we want? Are we, are we going for what we want or simply trying to move away from what we don't want? 
And a lot of the time, the things that we fear, they're things we had every right to fear in the old days when we were younger or when we were in different circumstances. But now we could probably handle it okay, you know, and, and we, we kind of shy away from it without re-examining the situation. You know? The full episode with Tim is number 177. Colette Etheridge is my next expert. About 20 years ago, Colette fell ill with anxiety. One event triggered her to lose control of her life and become someone she didn't recognise. But after four months of hard work, she managed to make the changes she needed to to get her life back on track. And today she helps others conquer anxiety issues, including things like depression, fear and phobias, and in this episode, she has some tips for you too. Um, you do say that anxiety is an illness, whereas I, I'd always believed it was a state of mind because it's not a permanent situation. Have I got that wrong? Is it like any other illness that you can recover from? Is that how you think of it? Yeah. So for me, I think it depends on what you call permanent, I suppose. So I work with clients who've had anxiety since they were little and because they've never really worked through it still have it in adulthood um, so for me that's extended periods of time suffering with anxiety and I would say you're you're moving into very permanent states of anxiety at that point personal thinking is and I have nothing to back this up it is just my opinion once you've suffered with high anxiety you are more likely to suffer with it again so if Something that might worry another person is more likely to make somebody with high anxiety more anxious about it. Um, and little things will trigger. So I can give you an example of, of that. Yeah. I had my hair cut. And my hair was cut shorter than I would have liked it to have been cut. Now, I know what my trigger is. My trigger is because when I was about six, I was called a boy because I had short convinced that I looked like a boy because my hair was short. So this is a relatively sane person having high anxiety just because about three inches had been cut off her hair. Um, and I wanted to cancel clients. I wanted to hide away. I was really aware my breathing wasn't good. My stomach was really knotted. Um, and a number of people said, it's just hair. It will grow back. And if I'd never had anxiety, I think I would have been able to just go, yeah, you're right. But because I recognized where I was going, I recognized that feeling of anxiety and I knew it was becoming all encompassing. I had to manage it in a very different way, which was to get hair extensions so that my hair looked long again. I tell the story in a training that I do and I'm really aware of how ridiculous it sounds because it's just hair. It's not that big a deal. But the anxiety it caused me and the way that it made me feel was just again, that same out of control feeling that I'd had in my 20s, that same, I'm losing it here. And I, my only thought was about my hair. I have to work with, I say brave enough, to work with a couple of clients, but I'm really aware my focus was not on them, but on my hair. Um, it became all encompassing again. And so I had to work out how to manage it so that I could go back to a healthy state of mind. So I do think if you've suffered with high anxiety, there will be triggers which can take you back into that place. I guess that's my, it, it's more permanent, therefore, and is, is an illness. So more, more like a chronic illness than an acute one, basically, is what you're saying. I think so, yeah. So I, I think there are some people who will just have quite acute 
episodes of it, maybe just one off and, and won't overly be affected again. I guess I'm, I'm thinking about what questions I've got coming up. Um, is anxiety and phobias, are they different things? Because phobias can cause anxiety. Yeah. But I'm guessing that these are slightly different things to, to, you know, to what you had. Yeah, so when we look at anxiety, we'll look at all different um, arenas of anxiety. So we would look at phobias and we would put that under anxiety because, as you say, if, uh, I'm frightened of pretty much everything. I'm frightened of heights. I'm frightened of things going fast. I, I'm frightened of pretty much everything. The dark climbs, you name it. I'm probably frightened of it. But I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm phobic of those things. They're not, they're not phobias. But if you're, you're dealing with somebody who has a phobia of spiders, for example, there will be a real high anxiety around it, but it will be a very specific anxiety around a very specific element of something. Um, anxiety, we would look at social anxiety. Uh, we would look at um, PTSD and where that fits with anxiety. We would look at OCDs and where that's... Um, obsessional compulsive disorder and where that sits with anxiety so it's just that it can show itself in lots of ways mine would have been a generalized anxiety that's that's what it would have been diagnosed as now we are in the speaking club and I know that you know it's a well-known fact so many people have anxiety around public speaking and I wanted to get some tips from you for people who were wanting to speak, but where anxiety was stopping them from getting on stage or on video. How would you, if, if I came to you with that, how would you handle it with me um, if I was feeling this way? Okay, so I would probably be telling you it's not a quick fix unless I'm going to hypnotise you. So I'm a hypnotherapist. I don't practice it, but I'm a hypnotherapist. Um, hypnotherapy would be a much quicker route because we talk to the subconscious directly. The thing with anxiety, the the thing with our thinking pattern and our thought processes are we do that with our conscious. So if we think about going to do some live talking, whether that's to an audience of people or whether that's on Facebook Live or whatever that is, we think to ourselves, I can do this. And our conscious checks in with our subconscious and our subconscious will have a belief along the lines of, no, you can't, which comes back to our subconscious, our conscious rather, and we say, no, I can't do that. So the work I would want to do with somebody would be around what are your beliefs around this? What is stopping you? What are the, what's the worst that's going to happen? So a question I ask a lot of clients is what's the worst that's going to happen if you do that? And then we keep pushing beyond that point until we get to a belief. And then when we've got the belief, we can work on turning that around. So again, we do some work with the subconscious to retrain the brain in terms of how they then manage that belief and turn it around. So rather than saying, I can't do this, they change it into a belief of, I'll be okay to do this. If you want to hear my full interview with Colette, then just head over to episode 113. The penultimate expert on this show is the fabulous Dr. Claire Roberts. Claire went from being a clinical psychologist in the UK to a YouTuber in Florida. Lucky Claire. I love Florida. You've probably heard me say that before. Anyway, her YouTube channel, Generation Calm, which she juggles while still being a full-time homeschooling mum, has way over 25,000 subscribers and all the videos together over 2 million views. And her channel helps people looking to better manage their mind 
and live a more powerful life. And we've picked some great insights from my original interview with her to help you do just the same. I get it. I get that public speaking is difficult, but we often think it's not going to show up in our lives because we're not doing TED Talks or we're not, you know, we're not speaking in front of a packed auditorium, but it catches up with you. It's not Mm. just those talks on stage. It's going to show up in your life at some point, whether it's you want to do a speech for your best friend's birthday or whatever it is, it's going to show up for you. Definitely. And I I, I mean, I don't think a, you can be in business or be even, even in employment, you've got to have an interview. It can yeah. be a panel interview. There's, there's no way of escaping this, I think. So, you know, most people do their, you know, people who feel this kind of fear will often avoid it as much as they can. And, uh-huh. and you could, you can for a while, but like you said, it's like, it will get you eventually. Yeah. So how did you, I mean, how did you get over it yourself? Did you apply the tools that you apply to other people to yourself? How did you work it? Yeah, no, I didn't in a way. I'll, I'll come to that in a minute. I mean, I the way I look at anxiety generally is through the lens of cognitive behavioral therapy, sometimes known as CBT. And I think it's kind of a popular thing for good reason. You know, it's not a fad. It's been around for a long, long time. And it's a structure that helps you see your problem as being maintained through your thoughts, your feelings, and your behaviors, and how they all interact. And just by tweaking one little bit, it can have a huge impact and make a difference. So if you think about public speaking in the way your feelings are, and I'm not talking about feelings as in like emotions, I'm talking about like those sensations, because we already know you're anxious about it. So that's the emotion. But we're talking about those pesky little symptoms that you get, the shaking, the butterflies in the stomach, the sweating, the blushing, that feeling hot, the, um, you know, some people get stomach cramps and, you know, it can really kind of manifest itself. And you see, this is where I think the mind and the body are just so intricate. They're just so together. And we want to be able to reduce the anxiety enough that you can keep those sensations just at a point where I heard a saying the other day that it's not about getting rid of the butterflies. It's about training them so they create a formation. And I love that idea that you don't want to get rid of the butterflies completely You just want to get them in control so that you can provide your best performance. And so one of the basic things is breathing. I know breath work is a big kind of like hot, trendy thing to talk about these days, but I just see it that if you can slow down your breathing, it's just slowing it down. And especially if you can breathe out, so you exhale for longer than you breathe in then it makes such a huge difference because it just tells your brain that you are safe. You're seeing the public speaking as a threat, a threat to your, you know, your brain can't tell the difference. It thinks you're in your worst peril. Something terrible is going to happen to you. And just by breathing, you're telling your brain, slow down. Everything's okay. Everything's safe. Look, I can take nice, long, slow breaths and everything's good. Because when we're anxious, we don't, we're, we're, we're kind of caved in, we're 
our breath is very shallow and very up in our chest, but if you can just slow it down, it makes a huge difference. Um, another thing when it comes to physical sensations is relaxing the hot spots in your body, those areas of tension in your muscles. So some of the basic ones are your jaw. I don't know if you ever get tension in your jaw, but if you can just, just open your mouth slightly, relax the teeth, like just open them ever so slightly and just lower that jaw, it makes a huge difference. Same with your shoulders. If you can just lower your shoulders down away from your ears, if you can just relax your stomach, I often just say like, just let it out. Just <laughs> let it all hang out because we, we hold on to so much tension when we're nervous yeah. in our stomach. So um, these are just some basic things that you can do just to get rid of those kind of sensations in your body. And by getting those in control, you just kind of feel a little bit better and a little less anxious. Um, and so that's just like the, the feelings bit, but then you've got the, the thoughts as well. So I think it's really important. We often try to push thoughts to the back of our head, especially those negative ones. But I think we need to look at them. We need to figure out what it is we're actually scared of because every person is going to have a different negative thought whether it's oh i'm going to trip up i'm going to make a fool of myself i'm going to say something stupid whatever that might be write it down and it will really help i think we often try to avoid what our negative thoughts are we can also try um self-compassionate talk so being kind to ourselves, because often that, that negative voice we have is so critical. Like you wouldn't even say these things to your worst enemy, the things mm -hmm. that you say to yourself in your head before speaking. Um, and then another one would be to try affirmations as well. And they can feel a bit clunky sometimes, like you're feeling really anxious, but then you're going to say, oh, I am a perfect speaker and everybody's going to find me really funny. It's like, uh, it doesn't quite work, but what it does, it just interrupts that natural negative tendency that we have. Um, and then the other thing would be on the behavioral side of thing, what I'm very good at is avoiding. So <laughs> I probably haven't put my, <laughs> my, my advice into, um, into experience yet, but we, what we want to do is avoid the situation because it's so scary to be a public speaker and have all of these horrible sensations. It's so much easier to just decide not to do it. Like I bailed out of saying that poem at my great aunt's memorial service. I felt instantly better when I made that decision. The heartbeat started going back down to normal. I wasn't blushing anymore. I wasn't hot and sweaty. And that's the thing. It will also go down if you go and do the public speaking. Yeah. Right. It, but we never, we never stay there long enough because we avoid and it's, it's a quick win if you avoid. So I think it's important to create a graded exposure though. So try and think of what your ultimate goal is for speaking, but then work your way up to it. Don't go in at the deep end because that's just mm. going to terrify you. So just start, um, like when we first met, it was because I did, um, your podcast course. And I wasn't ready to go on live podcasts yet. Like we are now I've worked up to this moment because it terrified me to think, Oh my goodness, I'm not in control of 
editing this out and I don't know who's going to listen to it. I might say something stupid and then it's going to be on the internet for everybody to hear from 175 different countries that it's been downloaded from. And it, it was just too scary to do that. So I started small and I contacted people with memberships and I worked my way up because it seemed just less scary. And I think that's something that we can all learn to do. When you go to speak, it is you. It's just you. Like, I don't know if you have in America, this Barocca, um, the energy, there's an energy drink that you have, or it gives you, and it's, they say it's you, but the sort of the best version of you, when you go to speak, it is you, but it's just, yeah. there is a performance element to it. You're slight, you know, the energy's up. So it absolutely, even though we're using these techniques to get you on the stage or on the video or on Zoom or wherever it happens to be, when you get on there, that is you. It's just getting you up there in the first place. Is that, would you say that's about right? Yeah, that's completely right. Um, it's just that extra little bit, and it could be anything. It doesn't have to be an alter ego. It could just be that you have your imagination, What, how this could go. Could you do guided imagery, visualization to imagine your best ever performance beforehand? It's just yeah. another little tool that you can use to, to give yourself that extra boost. And like you say, energy, but not too much energy that you're going to kind of lose it, but enough energy to kind of just be that extra little you. Like I don't talk like this normally when I'm at home. I'm just normally chill and, or in a therapy session. But today I'm just, you know, I got my, I got my little pen with me <laughs> and, and I'm channeling Dolly. I don't sound like Dolly, <laughs> but you know, it's just, it just gives you that little boost. Oh, and I know that, um, for instance, Tony Robbins jumps on a trampoline before he goes on stage. <laughs> and it, that makes and it, sense. Yeah, it is often about changing state. Mm -hmm. And so, so get it, you know, just switching from I'm off stage to I'm on stage and getting that energy. And, you know, Amy Cuddy just does the sort of power poses. Um, some people listen to... Uh, you know, rock music, like what were your favorite tracks? So it is, it's part, part of it is getting over the, the fear part of it is changing your state to say, right, this is me here. This is me now going, going off to be a slightly bigger version of me yeah. in front of the audience. If you want to hear the full interview with Claire, then that one is episode 208. Okie doke. Well, now it's me sharing some of my thoughts on the bad stories that we tell ourselves that can cause us anxiety and how to control them. I've spent the last 10 years since I did the Landmark Forum working on myself, on choosing my thoughts, on trying not to attach meaning to things. It's very difficult. I still make mistakes all the time. But being aware of the choices that I have and the control that I actually have, that I don't have to be dragged along by my negative thoughts and, and these bad stories. I can choose different stories has been amazing. And, you know, my first Edinburgh show, when I, I discovered this in, what, 2009? I think my first Edinburgh show was in 2011. It was all about this. I, I was quite clumsy, but I wanted to try and get people to see that these stories are unhelpful, that we create for ourselves. You know, relationships break down because we make 
you know, the way something that our partner says or something that they do means something about ourselves. We we mind read or we try and we make terrible mind reading assumptions about what people are thinking. And that is also in itself, you know, something I want to come on to. But let me tell you about these tactics. Okay, so something happens and we make it mean something. So let's go back to uh, the drama school audition. If I had gone into that same same story into the corridor see all those girls and I made that mean they're beautiful I'm never going to get roles and so on now if I'd have said to myself looking at it logically and, and sort of being questioning these thoughts and questioning these stories I and without attaching any sort of meaning to it I could have said oh well you know they're very pretty they're probably going to go for leading roles and I could go for all the character roles and like there's only one leading lady there's so many different character roles out there and also I could have said well they're all looking quite similar I'm going to stand out because I'm different like there's so many other choices that I could have made about that scenario rather than just go with the negative one about me which is I'm not good enough I'm you know you have the choice to question those thoughts and choose different ones you know in public speaking you can do the same thing I could never do that because of something that happened in the past the past is the past now is now you have choice you have control over your thoughts you can say what if something different happens what if I can put a great talk together and go and rock the stage and get my message out the world is full of possibilities as soon as we stop attaching meaning to things and this is also something that we do to our goals we we attach meaning to things oh when I do this I will be this and then if we don't quite get the results that we were planning to get we make it mean something about ourselves again we need to detach from things, outcomes, things that people say. You know, let go of the meaning and just let things be. You know, if we fail, failure is an opportunity to learn. You know, in NLP, we say there isn't failure, there's only feedback. And in business, what I've learned is the best thing to do is fail faster so that you can get the learning and, you know, have the breakthrough that normally comes when these sort of breakdowns happen. So the first thing we can do is question the story we've created for ourselves. The first thing to do is be, you know, is having this awareness that we, those stories aren't true. You know, they're just stories that we make up and there could be equally different stories that are just as valid. We find the evidence we want, but there is other evidence out there, you know, so you've got to start questioning the things first. So being aware that we do this is the first thing. That's what I got from Landmarks, just the awareness that we make these decisions based on things that happen that are our interpretation of it. That's all it is. You know, D Donald Trump loves to use the words fake news. Well, we create fake stories about ourselves. That's fake news. Anything can be spun in a certain way and often we choose to spin things in a negative way about ourselves because we think we're mind readers. Okay, so get my drift, right? Lose the meaning. Don't make something mean something that it doesn't. Just take it on face value. When you set a goal, don't attach meaning 
to whether you are successful or not in achieving that goal. Because at the end of the day, what we're really scared of, we're not really scared of failure. What we are scared of is the emotions attached to that. Like I'm still working on myself. Let me give you an example. I'm just going through the process of hiring a VA. I had some good applications, but I had to shortlist down. And I was so, I put off shortlisting it down because I didn't want to reject people because I thought that it would mean that they would have an issue with me and it would be awkward and I didn't want to feel uncomfortable you know it's emotions that we're scared of and feelings I didn't want to have them think badly of me because I didn't shortlist that particular person now how stupid I know all this stuff these days the moment I I feel that discomfort I know there's something I probably need to work on there so the other thing to be aware of is this letting go, this surrender. So choose your, you question your thoughts, your stories that you're making up. Look at whether you can choose a different one, if you can reframe that. And the other thing to be working on is surrender and letting go. Again, something that I'm working on, there was an episode not so long ago where I sort of went through a, a session looking at my fear of Facebook lies. And that is all about you know, fear of being judged. I mean, there was some other stuff that came up, but, you know, I was attaching meaning to me doing Facebook lives, whether it was worrying about what people said or thought or the way I looked or whatever, attaching meaning. Now I'm working so hard on letting go of surrendering to just doing stuff, making it a game and not worrying about what people think because most of the time if people have got an issue with something, it's their issue, it's pressing their buttons, there's something they need to work on. So is if I can detach from the outcome, so detach, make it not mean anything and surrender and just, you know, go for stuff, that is such a powerful place to be in. You know, it. They, I think detachment and surrender are the most powerful tools that you can deploy in your life and as a speaker and as a business person to become unstoppable. Yes, as a speaker, you do do your research, do your preparation, think about the audience in relation to your message and you do all of that prep. But once you've done it, as I've said before, you just have to trust and let go. And the moment you can let go of outcomes, of worrying about what people think or what they've said and what it means about you, if you can let go of all that stuff, you become so, so powerful. I'm still working on doing it and I just thought maybe hearing some of the stuff that I've struggled with and some of the things that, you know, stories that I've created may help you question the things that come up for you next time someone says something or you get a bit of feedback. You know, this whole episode came about because one of my clients creates stories about feedback. You know, they whenever they get feedback, they make it mean something about them, you know, something bad about them. And it's affecting the relationships, communication, business, and so on. So that prompted me, amongst other stuff, to do this episode. Because the moment you can let go, the moment you detach from the outcome and, and don't make stuff mean anything about you, suddenly the future is a blank sheet of paper and the baggage from the past becomes irrelevant. It's hard, you've got to keep working on it, but it is possible. 
to to be unstoppable using these tools. Cool. So takeaways. Next time someone says something or does something or something happens, don't attach meaning to it. Or if, you know, if you're not sure, if they think they're being funny, ask them about it. And also you don't attach meaning to goals or results. See life as a game. See what happens. Fail faster. You'll, you'll get further faster. And, you know, if you don't do anything, if you, if you get stopped because of these stories about yourself, like I did, you know, with, with my acting, then you'll, things will never happen. So the third takeaway is to let go and surrender. Trust. You know, as long as you've done the prep, I'm not saying don't do the prep. You know, trust that the right things will happen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, if you want to listen to the full episode with me talking about bad stories, that is episode 91. Uh, 91, Breaking Free from Bad Stories. Cool. Well, as I say, I hope you enjoyed the episode and it helps you to see anxiety in a different way. And I also hope that some of the tips and tools my guests shared will help you kick it into touch so that you can start to fulfill all your speaking ambitions and your potential. One of the things that I see really helping my students and clients overcome their anxiety around speaking is knowing that their presentation content is engaging and powerful. It gives them so much confidence and they get excited to share the talk once they know that the content will work for them. If you would like to feel the same way about your talks, then do check out the masterclass I'm teaching on Tuesday, 28th of June. And there are two sessions I'm running that day. I'll be taking you step by step through my talk blueprint so that you know exactly what ingredients you need to include in your talk to build a powerful, compelling and engaging story-led presentation. And you can find out more and book your spot at saraharcher.co.uk slash masterclass. Okay, right. Well, as ever, do go and check out the work of these great people and find and connect with them. Mark, Tim, Colette and Claire. I'm sure they're over at LinkedIn and let them know if something that they said helped or resonated with you. And obviously, I'd love to connect with you too. And as ever, if you're a regular listener and you get value from the show, would you mind just taking a couple of minutes to leave an honest rating or review over at ratethispodcast.com slash TSC. Thank you for joining me again. And I will be back next week to give you some more speaking and marketing ahas, tools, tips, and inspiration. In the meantime, you know what I'm going to say. Go out, grab your life by the nuts, and get cracking. Bye-bye. Getting to practice your speaking in front of an audience is a crucial part of testing your message and developing your skills and experience as a speaker. Yet opportunities to do this in the right environment can be hard to find. Add in the chance to get expert feedback and coaching on your content structure and delivery and the opportunities are even fewer. But that's what you'll get as a member of the Speaking Club Live. Each week we'll be focusing on a different aspect of business speaking, from pitching to presenting to videos and lives. 
There'll be hot speak slots and you'll get the chance to practice sharing your message, your storytelling, your humour and all the different aspects of speaking in front of me and other members. Then you'll get feedback and coaching from me and your peers so that you're moving forward on your speaking journey with accountability and support. If you'd like to find out more about how you can become a member of the Speaking Club Live so that you can build your confidence, improve your delivery and become a better speaker, then go to saraharcher.co.uk slash club now.